0: and welcome to another episode of Literally Autistic. So, I've been doing a lot of reading lately on this disability because, you know, it makes me think about trying to find solutions or adaptations or ways that I can either resolve or limit the complications and the stress that having autism creates. And I've been having a hard time finding any decent books because it seems like they all want to tell a story and tell their side of it rather than actually get into the technical details and really give the reader some vital information and helpful advice or like real stuff. And that's the thing that I've noticed is there's a couple books out there that don't do a good job there's many many books and I I don't exactly go and buy 30 books on autism and read them I don't exactly read a lot and it's tough for me to stay on a book for a long period of time before I start getting tired so there are some books that I want to just kind of quickly go over and just like I'm not going to do a lot of, of, of reading from them just very minimal mostly from the one that I find to be very helpful, but I will discuss the other books as well. Okay, so the two that I started reading first that I thought were being helpful, but then realized that there wasn't a lot to them for me specifically, was Living Independently on the Autism Spectrum, written by Lynn Soraya. I found It started off well, but then it really kind of just got very, it wasn't very educational. It was very boring, didn't give me a whole lot, and it's, like I said, the first part, the first so many pages, I think it was like 80 some pages that were fine, and then it started to just go blah, and it really just lost it, and it's like, You look at it and you go, okay, this isn't going to help me. This isn't going to help me. I don't do this. This is not me. You know, like I'm looking for more practical, more like interventive, interventive or interventional books. And you like, you look at this, like I'm going to give you the the chapters. I'm going to tell you what they are. So just so you have an idea. So like chapter one was skills for self-advocacy chapter two is managing emotional and sensory issues three was communication for safety now up to that point like the fourth chapter was really the last one that had any value because it was actually giving me some information that could be helpful because as we all know communication and emotion is very poor when it comes to people with autism. They have a, they have a, a hard time using it correctly, understanding it, identifying it, seeing um, other person's perspectives, uh, knowing and seeing their emotions, stuff like that. But then they get into stuff like, okay, for some people, this might be very valuable and maybe very good. I'm not saying don't read this book. Um, That's definitely not what I mean. Like, this is... Like, I I consider myself a high-functioning autistic person. And this this seems to be more for people who have really no experience with doing things like moving out, finding a job, um, making friends, stuff. Like, Chapter 11 did do a little bit, but it was more like how-to rather than explaining things and giving me advice that would be really helpful so the fifth chapter was moving away from your family and then six was getting around seven was setting career goals eight was interviewing for jobs nine was navigating the workplace ten was meeting and making friends and then dating and romantic relationships was 11. i i'm 44 years old i'm not 20. this would be more helpful for someone who has autism who is 20 years old or maybe even 18 years old um, depending on how self-aware and how independent you may be that's probably the biggest factor in this because I I haven't lived at home for quite some time now keep in mind I was I didn't exactly move out and go to college when I was 18 19 Um, I did do some college, but I wasn't like, I didn't go away. And I didn't do four years. I didn't get a degree or anything like that. So I didn't, it was cheaper and more functional for me to live at home for the time being. And my problem is that I struggled getting like higher education and getting jobs that were more that gave me a better chance to become independent. And I soon realized later that it was my autism that was doing this. It, you know, it wasn't a lack of drive. It wasn't a lack of ambition uh, or motivation. I was motivated and I had ambition to get out there. It's just, for whatever reason, because of the autism, it was it caused me to struggle with it. And so I... I stayed around at home. I, if I remember correctly, I moved out finally in 2012, and that's when I was 34. I know that's a very long time, and 20, 30 years earlier, that would have never have flown, and I would have been out. It wouldn't have mattered, you know. I wouldn't have been. I don't think living at home would have been very exception, uh, accepting, and appropriate in 1970s or 80s. It's just that just wasn't how it went. Uh, my father left home at an early age to go and work. <clears throat> he he didn't finish high school and ended up, you know, not having a high school diploma, but he got a lot of job experience at an early age. And back then you didn't necessarily have to be educated and have degrees or have completed diplomas or whatever in order to be eligible for a lot of jobs out there. Uh, especially in the in the blue-collar area where it was a lot of hands-on uh, labor kind of type jobs instead of like office-related jobs. I don't think my dad really ever had an office job. Um, he was a... I don't remember all the jobs that he did, but the ones that were that really stood out that I can remember was like he was like a boiler handler for many years and then he was an office or a building manager and then they got bought out and he got into selling sporting goods equipment to schools and teams in his in the province and he did that for a number of years before he decided to become a boiler handler again and make a lot of money working up north in the oil fields as well during the evenings and he made a lot of money which was great because it helped him pay off his mortgage faster and become more financially independent and that's just how he lived his life now me I graduated high school in 1996 I got my diploma Um, I, I wasn't exactly what you would call an A plus student I was far from that I was probably more like a C C minus student maybe D plus I don't know I, I, I don't know these numbers and I'm not exactly going to go back and, and get all this info just for the sake of this this recording but here's an example throughout my entire six years of middle school or as we call it here in Canada junior high and high school my I never once had a report card grade of anything above 59% in English. I st- I tried. I well, <clears throat> trying is a subjective term because I wasn't I you know, I didn't know back then that I had ADHD and I clearly didn't know that I had autism. So, I was a very disruptive kid. I had a lo- I had a short attention span. I often lost focus quite easily on things that were going on. And unless it was very inf- like very interesting to me and really exciting stuff for me to learn, I often got lost eventually and would lose focus and lose track of what I was doing, and that led to me not doing well and because of my lack of focus and wanting to do other things like play hockey go to football play video games be outside instead of doing things like homework and studying it was very difficult for me to learn and get really good grades i think the one class that i did actually do pretty decent at was math but it my inability to focus and concentrate affected me in like the 10s and 20s the math classes in in alberta high school and it's probably the same in in, in many canadian schools across the country we have our, our grade classes in high school have a certain kind of structure if you're a regular student and you do your regular math you start off in math 10 which is grade 10 and then if you graduate, if you, if you pass that, then in grade 11, you do math 20. And then in grade 12, you would do math 30. And then if you were really intelligent and you were really good at math, you could do like math 31, which was like advanced math. If you're struggling or you're like slow, learn slower, or maybe you... You need a different pace. Then there are things like Math 13, 23, 33. I remember I did... I took Math 10 and I got through it. And I remember I went to a different school because I was playing football. And when I came back in grade 11 and I was starting Math 20, I remember it was just... I was way behind. the, the, The curriculum... In, in the separate schools compared to the public in the city were different. And I remember going, starting in the first couple of days of the math classes was just completely different than my curriculum. We weren't on the same page as far as what they were teaching. And I remember going to my teacher saying, this, is, this isn't the same. We were learning something completely different and I was lost, I was behind. So what they decided is they decided to send me to math 23 instead of 20 and I did well I think my grade was like 79 or 77 see to me that's a pretty good score because a lot of my classes I struggle getting good grades now the thing is is just due to the timing and the way the structure went and because I did go to another I go back went to the same school again In grade 12 and I came back again um, I never did get a chance to do any math like grade 12 math I'd have to think I may have done math 33 I don't remember I don't think I did though but I'd ever really learned and mastered things like uh, calculus and algebra like I do know some algebra although most of it is probably long since forgotten but when it comes to, like, normal numbers, like addition, subtraction, you know, the, the basics, the basic four, four types of math um, and numbering and, and money and stuff like that, I, I'm really good at it. And I'm, I'm very capable of doing the multiplication table and, and the division uh, steps in my head. And I'm really good at at adding and subtracting and getting the numbers in my head. And I can give out, I can give the answers 9 out of 10 times quite accurately and and correctly. And that's despite only having Math 23. So that was probably one of my strengths. Um, Like I said, I never got anything above um, 59 in English. Although when I came, I came back to do a second half like in grade when I was 18 and into being 19. I came back in January and I did math 30, or not sorry, English 30. I needed English 30 to go to school and I remember I see, I'm, I'm not really good with things like grammar and sentence structuring and writing and comprehension like my understanding of the english language is not as good as a lot of people even though obviously that's my primary language um i don't know french i don't know other languages i know some words in french but i don't i wouldn't be able to give you a complete sentence or it would just be a lot of of garble nothing that would make sense to an average french speaking individual but yeah like i remember going into the class and my teacher, this was getting towards the end of the year or of the school class year. And I remember she took me aside and she didn't think that I was gonna be able to pass. And the thing that really set me was that I was like, in my brain, I'm gonna say, well, I'm gonna prove you wrong. I will show you, you know, like it was, I got stubborn and, 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 got my nose out of the joint a bit, but it didn't it wasn't like where I went and made problems. I studied hard. I tried to do my homework. I tried really hard. I focused, you know, I, I made a better effort to focus on the class. And then I wrote the final exam, which was fifty percent of the mark. I, I don't know how it is today, but back then it was fifty percent. And I think I got a seventy three or something. I actually did not too bad. For me, that was that was pretty good, and I passed the course. And my final grade was fifty nine percent. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that are going, wow, that's pretty low. But you got to remember, someone who has ADHD and autism, that's something that I find to be very proud of. I'm very proud of that achievement, especially my final grade, like the, the, the actual final exam was that I got a decent score on it, it was, was something that I'm very proud of, but I'm not proud of the fact that I wasn't able to ever get anything on a 60 or above for grade at the final, at, in the half term or anything, you know, or at the end of the year. And it, that was really frustrating. Uh, I I used to think, I remember 10, 15 years after school ended and I was thinking about it and talking with my family or talking with my ex-girlfriend at the time and saying, if I could just, if I had realized what I w- how important it was or what I was doing, or blah, 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 or it, today knowing what I know, with my maturity and so if I could go back to school, I could do so much better. See, that's the thing, is that I I didn't really understand the reality of my situation. I didn't under I didn't know then that I had ADHD. I had no idea that I was autistic. And it was it was kind of foolish to think that way. Who knows? Maybe if I could take the memories and the, and the learning and the knowledge that I have today and go back in time and be 17 or maybe even start in junior high. I don't know, whatever, go back to when I was in school and start over and relearn everything that I might be able to get a better score. But there's no guarantee. There's no, you know, that's just a, a pie in the sky, uh, behave attitude. it's, it has good intentions, but it's not realistic. Now, see, I also didn't know back then that I have a I have my own style of learning. Most people, and I, I I think the number is a lot lower than than people realize, is a, a large percentage of the population when they're in school learn by instruction and by example. So they get shown, they get written on the on the chalkboard or the or the blackboard. Or whatever I can't think of the word that, that they use today, and they do research and stuff on their computers like we didn't have laptops back when I was in school. It was just regular computers in the in the computer room and they were pretty basic, nothing like it all today. There was no Google uh, the search engines were very, very basic um, so yeah, there wasn't really much of that. It was just mostly books and and instruction from our teachers. A lot of people when they do school they learn that way and they learn well and they get it and they maintain they comprehend the information that's presented to them and they remember it and they're able to reproduce it during the test later that week or the big test at the end of the year or midterms or whatever but there are a good number of us and i am definitely one of them that learns from self teaching like i do it myself I And the proof came when I did my, my computer training. I went to a computer-related college in 2001. And it was a one-year course. It was on network networking, and I did. I got a really good grade. And I think I was like 0. 0.8, something like that, percentage away from having honors. I was very close to a 90 90 percent grade average and it was quite astounding I was very I was great like I loved it I, I taught it I learned at my own pace I did the work I would read the stuff I would go on the computer and do the work myself um, we took accounting classes we took uh, like word processing we took networking we took Windows related. Uh, Learning, like, I think back then it was like Windows 95 and Windows 2000. I know for some of you, you're going, Huh? Like, what the hell is that? Which is funny, but it's understandable considering today most of us have grown up with Windows XP or Millennium, uh, Windows 7 for many of us. Yeah, I understand, makes perfect sense, but anyway getting off topic here. I remember doing very well and learning easily. Like I didn't struggle. And the only time that I think I might've had any struggle was when I had to work with multiple people. We had, there was like a, I remember one of our last courses was we had to do this group presentation on something. I don't remember what it was. I have no memory of the actual uh, subject, but I do remember there was four of us, and we had to get together and do this work, and come up with this presentation, and get a grade on it. And we kind of struggled, and I struggled, but the things that I struggled with was the social aspect of the connection, the communication, the knowing the social cues, the social rules, the things that you had to do in order to interact and, and get progress and, and be functional and be make progress and then get a good grade. I think we actually got a pretty decent grade, um, but I don't remember too many of the details. We were just struggling for a lot of it because we just we couldn't agree with things. We, were, we weren't always getting along. And... As i always do whenever i get into these situations i tend to be more of on the listening side and less vocal and verbal and that's just that's just the way i've always been when it comes to interacting with people and yeah so i had this understanding back then that i learned from being self-taught when i did the work and i i made mistakes and i redid it and i learned about these things i was able to pick up pick it up and make and make it work right like i was able to get good grades because i was learning by myself i didn't i wasn't being instructed on a regular basis by a teacher or other people so it was much more much easier for me to learn the other example was when I took a business management course at Grant McEwen here in Emmetton. Back then it was called Grant McEwen Community College, now it's a university, but that's besides the point. I remember there were some courses that I actually did pretty good in. Um, account, The accounting course was great, the computer course was awesome. Um, I got like an A-plus on that. There were quite a few courses that I got really good grades. And then there was this one course that I remember taking called marketing. (laughs) And I knew from like the first or second class that this was going to be hell. It's tough. Like his teaching style was really like university based. Like, you know how like some of you... Are, have probably either are in university or ha- have been to university, and you are you may know exactly what I am talking about. When you get these professors who they don't tell you much; they just write, and they expect you to to know what to take off of it, what to write down, what to understand. They don't like give you any hints. They don't. He didn't say this is the page. No, this is going to be important. Um, refer to this page. It it was very university like and i just remember going i have no idea i don't know and the book like the book was like the the writing the letter like the words were very small it was very like compacted into the in in each page and i just remember going this is insane i don't have a clue i don't know what i'm doing and i couldn't follow him because i his teaching style was so so foreign and so poorly established for me i couldn't do it and i just remember i just said enough no i can't do this this is just not this is not working for me and i stopped going because it was pointless like why why bother i wasn't going to do well there was no way because i had i did not learn that way i had no idea how to how to how to properly uh, do the notes and learn and and figure out stuff based on him simply just writing things on the board, and that was the, and that was so frustrating to me, because when you learn, when I did when I was self taught, or if the teacher was very like explained a lot of things, was very upfront, literal about the teachings and the the information that she was, he or she was providing, I had a much better time of picking up on it. And it went, it went easier for me, but stuff like that was just incredibly frustrating and and very difficult to, to learn and for me to comprehend and to, and to keep it in my head, like to, to store it and process it so that it could be memory. I still need two classes. I don't even think the same course is available, so I'm not sure if I could even do it. I need the two classes, then I could get my my actual diploma or certification for that that actual management course. I got everything else. And so, yeah, my, my learning style was really poor. Okay, so... I got way off track there, holy smokes, I, my apologies. So the other book that I was reading was called Autism Adulthood, Strategies and Insights for a Fulfilling Life by Susan Senator. This, if I had known what this book was, I never would have took taken it from the library or, or no, borrowed it because I found that it was really, it was like her personal story about her own child and him growing up and the struggles and all the things that he went through. And I just remember starting it and going, this just doesn't work and it's not helpful. And then I went and did the the chapters and I looked at all the chapters and I'm going, what in the heck, how is this going to be beneficial for me? Because this is sounding like someone who's like mid range function and not high functioning. And so I just, I, I barely read it. I don't even think I truly read too many pages because I just go, I just remember thinking, this is just like the other book. It's it's not for someone who's truly really high functional and just needs to learn more about communication and, and learn the techniques and the trades and, and tools and adaptations to get better at what I'm doing. Okay, now, This book that I did go through and read a lot, quite a bit, and I found to be the best book that I have come across at this point based on autism is called Autism Spectrum Disorders in Adolescents and Adults, Evidence-Based and Promising Interventions. And it was edited by Matt Tincani and Andy Brondy. It is... The date of the book, I think is like 2016. I'm not 100% sure the date on this book, but it's pretty recent. Um, It's a really well-written book. It's very educational. It's very upfront, more point by point, a lot more like in actual case studies um, examples, really well-written, very upfront. It's like a teaching manual in a way. And I remember going... I started reading the book a few days ago, and I remember going, this is what I need. This is this is what I was looking for. And I said to myself, I should have been reading this book first before the other two. And I had my, my girlfriend coming into the room, and I said, I, I raised the book up at her and showed it to her, and I said, I should have been reading this one the first time. And, you know, she's like, yeah, okay, cool. So. There's some stuff in here that was really good on communication. And I was extremely happy that I found it. Now, the sixth chapter, like, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Like, many, many good things. I'm not saying there's no bad parts. There's nothing that doesn't help. But the one chapter that was, to me, that was the most beneficial that I read was chapter six, which was Teaching Functional Communication to Adults with ASD. And there was this one part that I have made, like I marked because my girlfriend's going to read it too. It's called functional communication. And it was really going on about the four basic functions that are on the communication skills that are important. And, And so there's four functions. And then I will read the definitions and the example to you. And I hope that this makes sense to you. So these are four functions, the basic communication functions. There's manned, M-A-N-D. The manned is controlled by deprivation or adverse simulation and reinforced by a characteristic consequence that matches the form of their response. The manned food, so what you eat, for example, would be controlled by hunger and reinforced by giving the person a preferred food item. Requesting and rejecting are examples of manned tact this word is was familiar to me and it made it made a lot more sense because i'm going tact you, you know you ever heard of the of the term be tactful when expressing or when doing something or talking to someone this is what this is so the tact is controlled by a prior nonverbal stimulus such as some object or event in the environment. The function of the tact is to direct what would be controlled by water droplets falling from the sky. Reinforcement occurs when the listener thanks the speaker. Naming, labeling, and commenting are examples of tacts. That one made a lot of sense to me. There's, and there's intraverbal. An intraverbal is also controlled by the partner's prior communicative behavior, but in this case, the form of the response does not match the form produced by the speaker. Instead, the response is contextually related to the prior verbal stimulus. If the parent asks a child what she wants for a birthday present, appropriate intra- intraverbal responses might, be, might include doll, bicycle, and pony, for example. And then there's echoic or echoic, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. An echoic response is controlled by the partner's prior communication behavior with the form of the echoic response, matching the form produced by the speaker. The teacher says truck, for example, and the child responds by producing the exact same word. Imitation of speech and manual signs are examples of echoic responding. So I read through this. All right. So specific communication skills that exemplify this the tact function include naming or labeling objects, describing aspects of the environment and counting objects in the environment. Tacting is important because a number of such skills enable the individual to impart useful information to listeners. A listener benefits when told by a speaker that it is raining or cold outside or that the telephone is, or is ringing. The speaker benefits in that listeners provide social reinforcement. Thank you for telling that. I really appreciate it. Tacting is also one way in which the individual might initiate conversational exchanges with others. Example looks like rain. Instruction to teach naming or labeling is one way to build vocabulary related to new objects and actions. Tact instruction might also focus on teaching the person to accurately describe what he or she sees, hears, or feels. These skills can be very useful in academic instructional activities and when listeners would benefit from having this type of information. So, yeah, I, I could go on and on, but I'm not going to, like I said, I my plan was not to go and read a lot of stuff here. It's, it's more just for I, the idea. Okay, so, then the other one. Another area that I found extremely helpful in this book is chapter 10, in Towards a Balanced Leisure Lifestyle for Adults with ASD. Alright, so this one particular section said, Using a Person's Strengths in Leisure Activities. Every adult with ASD possesses some strengths associated with ASD that must be carefully considered in the process of developing a balanced leisure lifestyle and facilitating participation. An adult with ASD may have any combination of traits that can be used positively in recreation activities as shown in the following examples. This is really good like I saw this and I'm like I got a lot of these. So hyper attention to detail hypertension to minute details often result in an adult with ASD being exacting and precise which is useful in many activities. Example Ivan may be nonverbal, but he impresses other members of the rock gym with the precise nature of his knot-tying. Alright, so preference for sameness. Because of their desire for predictability and routine, adults with ASD often have a tolerance for repetitive activities and leisure. Example, Amy makes identical collectible clay figures of a dog that vary only in small details to represent different roles. Example, artist dog, Christmas dog. Long attention span for activities of significant interest. This is one that I really, you know, relate to. Dale spent hours regarding repairing small engines. Those who knew him well had seen the same focus when he was younger while building with Legos. Precise and detailed long-term memory. I do have this, not for everything, but for things that are very significant. Harvey amazes others by giving a play-by-play description of sports games that he has seen. He says, autism serves when others ask him how he remembers all those details. Oh, I didn't quite read that right. Sorry. He says, autism serves when others ask him how he remembers all those details. There we go. Yeah, I do that. Like, I I can recall sporting events. I can recall significant... events in my lifetime that occur that are very significant and the funny thing is, is that's the irony is that there are other things in my brain that i don't remember but yet i can remember these things quite easily and give very very detailed examples of it all right strong memory for figures and facts they find interesting and i do this too for example, Greg's fellow sci-fi film club members are dismayed if he misses a meeting because they rely on his remarkable ability to recall hundreds of sci-fi movies down to the last detail. Yeah, that's definitely me. Accuracy in visual perception. Adults with ASD may replicate exactly from a model. Manuel follows the diagram. Manuel follows the diagram for how to assemble trellises that baffled everyone else in his gardening club, including the leader. To some degree, I do do this. Um, it's, it's more so with things that I like or I'm really into or have a, a huge affection for or affinity for. You know, I, I do have that ability. Whole picture learner. Adults with ASD take in chunks of information quickly. Gestalt processing, or gestalt. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Example, while the rest of the weaving class is repeating the lesson on how to work the shuttle, Devante demonstrates the skill because he learned it right away. See, that's a yes and that's a no for me. I can't always say that I, or can't always declare that is the case. Um, I do, I have a tendency to learn things fast and then be able to repeat them quickly um it isn't always the case though so there are certain things that take forever for me to learn but I think it's because it's the different it's all the little complexities and the and the finite things that are involved in it that make it difficult certain things like uh, learning how to skate learning how to throw a ball learning how to repeat something that I see that is being demonstrated like especially if it's sports related I'm really good at picking up and I learn super fast, and then other people are still working on it. All right, next one is strong visual spatial intelligence related to how objects and figures relate in a three-dimensional space. So example, in art class, all watching in wonder as Gerald makes a sculpture from sheets of paper that he tears into a shape and stacks upon one another. The result is a three-dimensional classical bust of a human head. Uh, That's not really me, unfortunately motor and coordination skills running, jumping, spinning, bouncing, climbing, and the like. example, Noel has stamina and well-developed gross motor skills. He enjoys directing his desire to jump, bounce, and climb into his gymnastics class. See I, that was me in regards to sports. Um, I, I okay, I learned to skate when I was four. I might be wrong it could be three it could be four i don't remember for sure but i remember learning really quick and i picked it up fast and i went into i played hockey and i remember picking up on it really fast i didn't learn the fine skills like i was not the best skater like i could skate I, don't get me wrong i wasn't like poor i just didn't have the fine skills that a lot of the pros tend to show I, I was a fast skater, I could turn quickly, I could do a lot of the things that most people can do, but I learned it quick and I picked up on it and it was, and it was easy for me. And then with football, like I picked up on football super fast. Like, I remember when I was six, my, my dad was a coach for many years and he coached when I was, he started coaching when I was five. And I remember I was six years old and going to the football practice and I was involved with a lot of the players. These players were 12, 13, 14 years old. Maybe even 15, I don't remember. And I remember just I was picking up on stuff and learning the skills and the and, and the understandings of how how it worked and how to do things and how to figure out you know, how to make it work better and how to do it easier. I always, I was so easy. I was, it was so easy for me to pick up on these stuff and to learn the skills. And, and I, it was amazing how I was able to know, I learned how to throw that football so easy. And I learned all the, like, I was remember learning how to do this, the five-step drop and, and the handoff and the, and the, and finding the receiver and, and accuracy. Like it was all simple. I picked it up so easy. And it was one of my advantages, because my, they say that, that people with autism have areas in life that they're really talented at and really knowledgeable. My areas, well, my area that I find that I'm really, really, is my big strength in, is, is football. I, I, I can pick up sports easy. I'm, I, I'm able to learn really easy how to do the sports like any kind of sport more or less. I, I think I, I, there's not, there isn't one sport that I've done that I haven't been able to pick up on and, and repeat and emulate and, and, and in a, in a good way. But football was something that just came natural to me. And I didn't get to play football in Canada because of well, we're not like in the U.S. For those those um, listeners who are American, as you're well aware, football is like hockey up in Canada. We we use hockey as our as our big sport. That's the one that everybody is always cares about more than anything else. But I love football. My whole family does. And I never got to because of the fact that there were weren't very many teams, in organ, and the organizations that were out there were had a limitation as to what kind of level you could start at or play at. And my dad got a knowledge of this league that was based uh, out of a team that was east of where we live, and he applied, and we were we got a team. We got a we got our first football team in the little the little town that we live in and in 1989 was the first year and I remember I was 11 at that time and I played of course I, that was my first year I ever got to play actual competitive football and I remember my dad saying that not one single player on the team had any football experience like playing and I I was the only one who had any sort of idea as to what was happening or how it worked, what to do. You know, like I could have, I could have coached to some degree at that time. Like obviously that's just not true in when you look at it in the grander aspect of it. But yeah, I was, I had all the abilities. I had the knowledge. I had the understanding of the know-how and it showed like we weren't exact, we were not a great team we we only won one game and it was at the at the end of the season although that was to be expected we were a bunch of first year guys and i i started at quarterback because that's where we thought i'd be best served but then what ended up happening is we realized that i would be better served as running back because i knew how to play running back i knew that it was the best thing for the team for at the time so i played running back and i did really well you know as good as we could do for considering who we are and our I said our first year and a bunch of inexperienced kids we did end up winning our last game of the year but it wasn't enough unfortunately us into the playoffs and that was fine you know whatever but i just remember It was like that turning point and i played i played for eight years Uh, i did five in the place that i lived the city i lived all the way up so we had uh our levels of football at the time was called atom which was uh nine to eleven and then there was peewee football which was 12 to 13 and then there was Bantam football, which was, it could be 12, 13, 14, 15. They were changing the rules. I just, because I remember back in the day when I was a kid, it was different. The, the ages were different. And so, yeah, I played five years. Um, I remember we were quite successful uh, in our third season, our second year of Pee Wees. We went undefeated and won the league championship. There was never really any threat against us in that year and then the next season we all the whole team the majority of the team moved up to the Bantam level which was the 12 13 14 uh, 15 year kind of thing and we we went undefeated except that on the last game of the year the championship game we lost which was our first defeat as a team in two seasons (laughs) and um yeah we we had a we had a great time and and my skills throughout all those years were really improving they were they were really getting better and they and and i already had an understanding of the game and i already knew but i was just improving i remember that last bantam year like before i went to high school then my second and last bantam year i really it really was like change in my physical ability and my knowledge like my understanding even was even higher and like I was I could throw that ball so much better like it was incredible I just had natural talent I just knew the game I knew how to do the rule all the movements all the the skills that were involved the proper technique all that stuff you know I, I had all that and I just remember it was kind of funny like that during that season there were some really cool things going on during the uh during the summer and the canadian football league had a contest it was a punt pass and kick competition for for kids of certain age ranges uh all over canada and the eventual goal was to have the provincial winners go to the gray cup and compete at that event it was just it, their organization of it wasn't the greatest i'll explain that in a bit but that's that's not the important part i just remember i went we drove to calgary and i competed in the passing of course i did the other ones but my main goal is the passing because i'm a quarterback and i remember i won the alberta provincial title i still have the trophy it's somewhere here, in storage, but it, it's a trophy indicating that I was the prevent- I, I was the winner of the nineteen ninety three punt pass and kick competition uh, for passing, and I remember blowing away everybody. I had it; it, it was not even close. <laughs> and the only problem was is that this organized this 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 was really organized poorly because even though I was the Alberta champion. I didn't get to go to the Grey Cup because they wanted to make it, they wanted to narrow it down. And there was some kid from Saskatchewan who I guess threw further and he got to go. I was quite annoyed. I didn't think that was fair, but well, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. But I got to appear on TV that day on CBC because they were showing the winners for the competition. And I remember standing there on TV uh, they got my name, they got our names mixed up, which is great, but I remember watching it on recorded when I was being, it was re-recorded for my family and it was pretty cool. It was quite the experience. So yeah, so basically football is like my, my talent, my thing. And I played three years of high school, but I hurt my shoulder. Actually, I hurt my neck in 1993, which I had no idea at the time had done damage and I'm suffering from it today, unfortunately. And then in my second year of high school, I hurt my shoulder. Something, I I overdid it. And the shoulder got weak. I guess it was happening over time. I don't know how long, but it, it was happening. And my shoulder got hurt and I had to quit. And... I didn't get to play that the rest of that season because my shoulder was in such rough shape that I needed to try and make recover in some to some way, and so I did play a third year. I went through the pain. I adjusted my throwing technique to minimize it. It didn't really affect it too much. It's just, well, clearly it wasn't right. Um, I went to an Edmonton Eskimos um, high school camp that. they were putting on I went to a University of Alberta um, provincial um, competition camp and it was all political it it was total BS which is too bad because I was the best one there I, I should have been on that team but because I didn't want to go to the to the coaches session with the Emmeton Husky and Emmitton Wildcats, which were a, were both jokes and were poorly run teams back in that day, I had I wanted nothing to do with them. I didn't think I it was it was necessary for me to go. Which, unfortunately, I think they took uh, that as a sign that I was, you know, being I don't know again considerate or being rude to them. So they punished me, I guess. Even though the university, one of the Alberta coaches said that I was the best quarterback at this camp by far. Which was great, even though I didn't get to play in the game. It was was kind of a nice compliment. I did try to, as an 18-year-old, I did try to go to the Okanagan Sun football team, the junior level, in British Columbia. Um, But I was too young they wanted me to go play more high school football you know develop more and said that to come back next year for their camp again and so i went back and played and everything but then they they had a completely different coaching staff the next year so they didn't remember who i was and it i didn't i don't know they just didn't like they didn't think i was good enough For whatever reason i think it's just because they didn't they didn't know who i was because i I actually had impressed them the year before enough but just that was because my age they wanted me to get more playing time and so that was that and football was over but yeah um i feel like i'm dragging this on i shouldn't be doing that my apologies to you so yeah uh it's pretty rough um, When you, when you're, this is the one thing that throughout my entire life was kind of like what I was leaning on, and unfortunately, I did not have anybody pull me away and say, "Look, you need to have, you need to think about other things." Football, the odds are, is that you're not going to, you know, you, the odds are against you, because you're Canadian. Uh, I'm not very tall. I'm only like five nine and a half. Um, I didn't have the physical structure. I had all the mental capacity and and the knowledge and the talent, but I just didn't have the physical aspects that were, you know, beneficial to me to move on and to make make any progress to going towards any sort of professional level. That was pretty crazy thoughts back then, but just the way it goes. Um, So, yeah, and then now, like... You know, today, this is the way it is. Anyways, um, I definitely recommend that you guys look at the Autism Spectrum Disorders in Adolescents and Adults, the the book that I've been talking about. I know I tend to drag on and go on and on and on about stuff, but that's one of the problems or dis- you know the signs or symptoms of age, with uh, autism here. Uh, yeah. So the book, to wrap this up, the book has really shown me a lot of information and it's given me some valuable advice as far as how to go about training myself and learning certain techniques and certain uh, tricks and adaptations to try and make life easier to manage um, try to, to help improve my communication skills, uh, my understanding of, of social social cues and social norms and behaviors, and other areas that are really important in life. Like, I, I'm pretty, I'm very good at my job. Um, I work with computers. I've been doing the same job for 10 years now, and I'm very happy with it i do want to get into management at some point it's that's my ultimate goal and i think i could be very good at it i do know that i need to really work on my communication skills and my interpersonal skills and it it is difficult because of the fact that it takes a while and you need i do need some assistance from a therapist to help me with that (sighs) boy this has been a long episode i hope what i've told you and the stuff that i've the information i've given you regarding the three books are very helpful and i hope this will i i definitely recommend finding that autism spectrum disorders book the one the la the one that i've i'm recommending i definitely think you guys should look at that it could be very helpful for for you um there, there is nothing wrong necessarily with with these ones the other ones that i talked about but if you're looking for an instructional kind of book or something that's scientific and is going to give you real straight up advice, I definitely recommend the Autism Spectrum Disorders in Adolescents and Adults book. There are many other ones out there. I am constantly trying to find information online and books to read that could be helpful to help to teach me stuff that I can use in my life to help with this autism. Uh. That's it. If you've got any questions or if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can on Twitter first. Uh, my handle is at ADHD and CPTSD. You can also contact me at the website, uh, www.livingwithadhdandcptsd.ca. Uh, I would really appreciate it if you guys would comment on what you've heard. Uh, I would love to hear your opinions, thoughts, um, advice, If there's anything you want me to talk about that you haven't heard anywhere else or on my podcast, let me know and I will definitely look into it. I would also love if you guys would help support me in my endeavors here with my podcasts. You can go to ko-fi.com slash living with ADHD and CPTSD and you can donate there to help me with my uh, expenses regarding these podcasts. I just want to say that I have I love doing these shows. Um, I find them to be very helpful for my audience and they're also very helpful for me at the same time because I do learn as I'm doing the show and it helps me. And Hearing from people is also very helpful and I'm always trying to be uh, researching and finding out more information and reaching out to people on Twitter and i do know a lot of people who are dealing with their own autistic issues and disabilities and we're always trying to discuss things and try to find solutions with each other okay that's it for now um stay tuned next week for another episode and i will talk to you then all right bye everybody